All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding. Then we'll sit down to study the word and then we'll continue praying. All right, the Lord is good. All right, let's do that. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. Lord is entering my heart. Just giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's take our seats. Amen. Amen. We are still looking at living our life by the Spirit of God. And what that simply means is that we are empowered by God to do His work. Again, that's what grace means. Grace means that there is nothing that is too hard because God is the one working through you both to will and to do. If anything appears hard for a child of God, a number of things. Number one, maybe that's not what you're supposed to be doing, so grace is not supplied. Or number two, maybe it's what you're supposed to be doing, it's what God has commanded, but you have not been careful enough to tap the grace necessary. For example, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature is supposed to hear the gospel. True of us? Who was he talking to when he said go into all the world? The disciples. Thank you very much. Now, so they were doing the right thing if they went out to preach. We told them, wait. You want to obey the commandment? What do you do? Tarry. Wait in Jerusalem. For what? Until you are endued. Until you are filled with power. Because even though I'm the one that commanded you, you can't do it except I fill you with power. It means, therefore, you might be doing something. It is the will of God for you. But you have not done what is right in getting the necessary equipment, in getting the necessary enablement to face that challenge. And when we're talking about prayer, it's our school of prayer. These are the things we do with prayer. You will notice something if you've been attending prayer meetings here in Kingdom World for any length of time, especially if you came from other places. You first notice that we don't seem to notice the witches. Some of you may have noticed. Some people think that it's because we don't know African spirits. We know African spirits, but they are too small for our attention. They are too small. We believe that we are seated in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, far above all of them. So we cannot call a prayer meeting to be focusing on the activities of witches and demons. How do we resist the devil? They simply by holding on to the word of God. When you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, you are resisting the devil. Many people, I'm sorry to say, who pray so much about the devil and all of that, they are actually more subject to him. By all this, the attention they are giving to him. Some, um, what do you call those cartoon-like movies? The animated pictures. Yes, one of those animated pictures. There was one particular one I saw. There's this dog. I don't know. Tell you, you know, I don't tell you the name of some of these movies. So I won't go start watching them because I said so. <laughs> this dog did not realize he was living a fake life. 
He was a star in a TV series. So, he's supposed to have superpowers. He can back and knock out the whole army. Now, but there were these two cats, you understand? <laughs> Who understood that the whole thing was a show. So, they would go <laughs> into his, um, what is that small cubicle the actors stay? Like his, uh, a trailer, thank you. They go to his trailer, climb the roof, and they start threatening him. <laughs> and of course, he'll be there backing and threatening to fight them back and everything. So at the end of the day, they said, man, we love you. And then they will leave. <laughs> they knew the whole thing was what? A show. But the dog did not know. He thought he was really fighting. He thought he was destroying things. But the whole thing is what? A show. So we know. That all the noise the devil is making is a show. So that's why we laugh. So those two cats will come and be laughing at the dog at night. And the dog will be backing back. There's nothing he can do. So I'm going to super back you away from there. They did not know they did not have the super back. That the only thing he called a super back, he will back normally, they will amplify it. Everybody will now fall down because they are doing a show. I'm sorry to say, many Christians attend shows. They call it prayer meetings. It's all a show. We don't have time for show. <laughs> shows. We know that the devil is just acting. There's nothing he can do. He doesn't have the kind of power people think he has. But what do we do with our prayer time? That's what I'm going to emphasize. What we do with our prayer time is to tap the power of God, of course, amongst other things. For the things that really matter in life. There is nothing God has ever given us to do that's too difficult. If it appears hard, it is because we have not taken time out to tap into grace. I hope you're getting my point. Once grace comes in, Grace makes you willing, and grace makes you able. There's one thing about grace. Let me tell you something about grace so you'll understand it. Even when you think things are going wrong, grace will still work so that it will appear right. Let me explain. Paul, at the point in time, for certain reasons, he wasn't feeling well, maybe because of the persecution, he was just worn out. And that was what opened another door for ministry. I hope you're getting my point. That was when he met another set of people that showed him kindness and he began to preach the word of God to them. That's how grace works. You'll have thought that this means that, ah, ministry is hindered. No, grace just opened another door. Okay, what do you do when you want to persecute a Christian who's preaching too much? Sometimes you carry him and put him in prison. That's not so. So grace, this was all grace did with Paul. They took Paul and put him in prison. And by the time he was done, the whole household of Peter, they were listening to uh, Caesar. You know what they mean by the household of Caesar? All the security men, the workers, the, the, what do you call them, the ministers, everybody walking around, Caesar, they were gathering and having Bible studies. Yet the man was arrested. The man was in prison. The man was awaiting trial. So that if I wanted to release, release him at that particular point, he would say, wait, can you just make the, because there's a series we are doing. <laughs> that is grace. What should have been a hindrance? actually walked out for the furtherance of the gospel. What is grace? People don't like you. So they are raised and they were very happy when you went into prison. So they say, we will show Paul that he is not the only anointed one. They didn't know it was the grace of Paul working in their lives. So you know what they did? They started organizing meetings while he wasn't around. They went to show it's not only Paul that understands revelation. We too understand revelation. Paul was laughing where he was. He said, hey, see how God works though. Me, I even thought that because I'm in prison, nothing will go on there. Meanwhile, my enemies have gone to preach. They were Christians, but they were envious of Paul. 
So God used his imprisonment to stir them up to preaching so that they would say, let us start something while you're not around. They did not know that what God was doing was taking care of everything while Paul was gone. See, let me tell you something if you are a child of God. It is literal. What did I say? When the Bible says, all things work together for good for you because you love God. That is not, it's not hype. It's not let's make ourselves feel happy. You just need to settle down and look. It's working for your good. It may not feel nice. It didn't say everything feels good. Did you say so? But it's working how? No, no, there's one word there. Working together, together, together. Somebody explained like this. I had the illustration perfect. I don't know how many of you have ever put your finger in palm oil and tasted it. You know, it has a very nice, silky, savory taste. True or false? False. Thank you. Palm oil doesn't have any taste like that. <laughs> doesn't have, it can lubricate your mouth, I know, but to eat, you to eat roasted yam, you put salt inside it. You have to put some things. doesn't have any, forget that, you know. And unless, unless you are sick or you were brought up with bitterness, <laughs> you cannot take bitter leaf and that's the thing you want to eat. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You only take bitter leaf when you need to take medicine. They will crush it and use it to do medicine, traditional medicine. Bitter leaf in itself is not nice. Let's not, let's not lie to ourselves. Let's even talk about salt. Salt is good. Put it in your mouth. No, now, ah, salt is good, isn't it? Go and pack a handful and put it in your mouth. The very thought alone, your, your stomach is already reacting. The thought. You never put ammo. Salt doesn't taste that good. It's, salt is just salty. You know what I found out? Almost every ingredient they use for soup, apart from one or two, they don't have nice taste in themselves. Yeah, just want to think about it. Is it this one? What do they call it in, in, in Western Nigeria? We call it iru. Okay, and that one, that, that locust beans. That, that one smells together for good. <laughs> the smell isn't nice. Let's say, yeah. Even your mouth. I've, had, I've seen people in their mouth before. You're looking at them like, are you okay? It doesn't have a nice taste. Most things, I don't know how they chose it. Most things they use for soup doesn't taste nice on its own. But, brethren, hallelujah. Praise God. When you put it together in the furnace of affliction. I mean, do you just mix it in cold water? It has to pass through what? Fire. You must go through the, we go through the fire. And it's in the fire you are passing. Ah. And I say, ah, my neighbor in Ado. <laughs> Suddenly you want to come and discuss something with them. And of course, when they bring it out, brethren, it tastes nice. It tastes good. It tastes good. Even to a child that has just been weaned from milk, breast milk, he will eat it. He will like it. All things cook together for good. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, that's it. That's it. In fact, somebody used that illustration had it years ago. Perfect. Perfect. If you want to tease your life apart and pick it one by one, you won't like it. Some things will taste bitter. Some are too salty. Some are tasteless. You don't know what that experience is about. I've had some experience in life. I'm still wondering. Very strong issues. And I'm wondering, what was that about? That God, why did you make me pass through that? It was not good, it was not bad, it was just a waste of time. That's that palm oil. It's what I call the palm oil experience. 
What was I doing in that place for one whole year? You worked in an office for two years. You didn't learn anything. You didn't lose anything. You did not like the job. You didn't hate the job. You didn't preach the gospel. You didn't learn anything. And two years passed like that. Now I've been wondering that. I didn't hear God. <laughs> I know I prayed, but I don't think I obeyed God. But what evil thing did I do? Nothing. I've had one or two experiences like that. Just wondering, what was that about? But you know what it says? When they all work together, they pass through affliction. That's fire. What do they produce? Tasty, nice, a goosey soup, onogu soup. Yes, onogu, that bitter leaf one. You understand? Yeah, it has to be there. It has to be there. The kind of thing that people gather, the comfort ceremony you give to them. They say you're a good bridegroom. You brought the good wine. You know that kind of thing. And that's how, now, that thing is not natural. Please, for your information, it's not natural. Don't assume that it happens to everybody like that. It's only God. In fact, some transitions will say that in everything, God is working together for your good. It's God that is working. Yeah. If you don't have a promise in your life, your brothers conspire against you, you will die in Egyptian prison. Just go, just go and, don't, go, don't go and tell everybody. <laughs> Those days, one of us, my, my wife wants to greet some people, you know, she'll be prophesying for them. One day I call her, I say, baby, sit down. This your prophecy is not good. So what do I mean? It's the word of God. I said, who told you they believe? She used to denote, she had a prophetic voice. This year, that we command him. I said, okay, come first. Sit down first. These things are for people who are in the faith. Every other person, I'm praying for you that God will have mercy on you this year. Leave it like that. But to be declaring this will happen according to the word of God. I said, to who? Those are words. Look, in fact, if you're going to read it, even prayer, some prayers. Paul, before, it's not everybody Paul used to pray for. The way some of us pray, pray recklessly. Paul didn't used to do it. If he doesn't see any sign of faith in your life, you're not on his prayer list. You say, no, go and check. He said, ever since I heard of your faith and the love you have for the saints, that's when I began to pray for you. Because the man doesn't have prayer to waste. He has to see a sign that you are serious about this gospel. He has to see a sign. What am I trying to emphasize? So all things working together is because of your faith. It's because God is working in your life. That's why it says, for those who do what? Who love God and who are called according to his purpose. It's because of that. So, what does that mean? God, now please let me add this my doctrine, which I don't hear many people preach, but it's very true. Even if the things were bad for a long time before you came to know the Lord. Once he comes into the picture, he adds it to the ingredients. And he cooks his soup from what used to be bad. A bad life, he will use it to cook a fantastic soup for today. Yeah, that's what he does. But the emphasis is the fact that it is because he's in it. I'm not saying things are good, he just don't know. No, things are bad. But when God takes hold of that which is bad, he makes them good. That's what we are saying. He brings forth good out of them. So what does grace do? I was trying to explain. So even when things appear wrong, grace still works and brings right out of them. Even what should have been a hindrance like poor falling ill, it becomes an opportunity for the advancement of the gospel. Him being imprisoned, it becomes an opportunity for the advancement of the gospel, both in prison and even where he wasn't because the jealousy of some people, God used it to provoke them to preach in Paul's absence, thereby doing the work of Paul for him while he was gone. That is grace. It is foolish, therefore, for any child of God not to ask himself, not to ask herself, how do I tap into grace? 
Am I walking in grace? Am I having the spirit of God walking with me? One of the scriptures I love most, it said, The Lord has sent me, as I was prophesying, and his spirit. What was he saying there? He was saying, listen, whatever it is I will be doing will not be by my own energy. I will go, but the spirit of God goes with me. What is the spirit of God? The spirit of God is the ability of God. The spirit of God is the enablement of God. The spirit of God is that influence, that power that works on your behalf. Let's put it like this. The spirit of God is how Samson defeats an army. Do you get my point? What is the spirit of God? It's how David killed Goliath. What is the spirit of God? It's how David will attack a lion, being a little boy, and overcome the lion. What is the spirit of God? It is the same spirit that made David attack the bear and overcome the bear, even though he was a little boy. That's what they call the spirit of God. So he said to Zerubbabel, it's not going to be by your power. It's not going to be by your might. And how is it going to be? Only by the Spirit. So it's the power and the might of God. Please, if you have not read the book, you know I have some people. Anyway, some people are new. Let me not talk about stubborn people. Stubborn people, they are repented. Amen? If you are stubborn and you are repented, say amen. Ah, all of you should say amen. Everybody was stubborn. All we like sheep have gone. <laughs> now, please, if you haven't read the book, receive the Holy Spirit. Please go and read it. Go and read it. So you need to ask yourself a question critically each time in life. Am I walking by grace or am I walking by my own energy? See, if anything appears difficult, just know, see, let me explain what I'm going to do. Don't go and ask again. Just know you are not walking by grace. You are walking by your own energy. Did you get my point? What did I say? Okay, let me summarize it. People are making long sentences. If anything appears difficult, you are not walking by grace, you are walking by your own energy. Even if you're a student, a subject is difficult. You know what it means? You're not working by grace. You're a worker somewhere. A job is hard. You know what it means? You're not working by grace. Anything can be hard. One day, some people, some people wanted to get married. My wife was there that day. I wasn't. Or maybe I sat in another part of the church. Some people wanted to get married, so they were introducing them. So the church was going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why part for the Lord, you know? One lady, married woman, just look at them. What is exciting them? Yes, I'm serious. She said it. Uh, what is all the excitement about? So my wife looked at her like, what do you mean? What is so wonder? She's married though. What's so wonderful? What is all of this? My wife looked at her and said, seriously, my wife couldn't take that. What do you mean by that? The fact that you're not enjoying it does not mean that people are not enjoying it. She, she told her straight. For you to come and ask what is the problem, yeah, yeah, like you say, what is that? Like, what is that? What is exciting them? She said, with disdain, she needs grace. What did I say? She needs yeah, she needs grace. She needs grace. She needs grace. She needs grace. Everything in life, see, if you wake up every morning and the economy is scaring you, you're not walking by grace. Yes, you open the newspaper and your chest, <laughs> your chest starts pumping like one man. You know, so you tell me into some jokes there, you just have to laugh. One guy said, there was a particular period of the Naira devaluation and all of that. So, Dangote, his valuation dropped massively. So, they said he lost money and all of that. So, one guy said, Dangote lost, let's say, $2 billion. And he's still breathing. He said, I can't find my 500 dollars. My chest is beating. <laughs> now, my chest is beating one guy. <laughs> 
Wow, body man beings. <laughs> the Lord is good. If the economy is scaring you, you're not walking by grace. Now, please don't be angry. I'm just making good diagnosis. Don't be angry with yourself. Just know the right diagnosis. So what do you do? You go and tap into grace. That's just what it is. You go and tap into it. That's what we have been talking about for some time. When it comes to a health, if you have fallen sick again and again, now please, don't come and tell a story that I was born like that. It's a genetic defect. Leave that thing. Like I said, don't make excuses for Satan. I hope you're getting my point. Tap into grace. After all, that one that was blind was born so. Yet Jesus gave him sight. The one that Peter and John raised at the gate called Beautiful had never walked in his life. So please, don't give any excuses. Okay. No matter the problem, just know I need more grace. Do you get my point? Grace comes in different measures. So if the problem is heavy, we just tap into what? More grace. There's what they call abounding grace. Where sin abounds, grace does what? Much more abounds. What does that mean? If there's a problem that's plenty, and they will tap into more grace. There's what is called great grace in the scriptures. Great grace comes upon you. So that's why, you know, sometimes God may appear unfair. Why does this person have this such a beautiful background? And this other person doesn't have his life fair. God said, if you look at it well, I'm very, very fair. Because for one that has such a negative background, I've prepared greater grace. So the real problem is a lack of activation of grace in our lives. That's what the real problem is. Please, I feel like saying this before I get into the meeting I want to say today. Okay? Because what I want to talk about again is, again, we want to activate the power of God against all forms of infirmities. Yes. I know the thing has been strong in me for some time now. There's no reason why infirmities, whether it's health or any other form of infirmities, should stay in our lives. So we want to wash, the Bible talked about the washing of water. How? With the word. But I just want to emphasize on this grace matter again. Please, God told Israel, you will have a king. What is he supposed to do? He must write a copy of the law for himself and read it all the days of his life. Please, I keep on going over that thing. What does it mean? It simply means, oh, I pray we get this. Don't let your busyness, you are so busy, take away time. The time that you used to, you used to drink grace. Because you're just wasting time. It's more like, let's put it like this. We want to go to Lagos. Now, for those who don't know, we're in Enugu. Enugu is, um, who knows geography here? Just to give those international dens where we are. From Lagos. Lagos is our most well-known city. Of course, Abuja is our capital city in Nigeria. But Lagos, Enugu is east of Lagos by, is it about 600 kilometers? Should be there about, right? Five, five something, 600 kilometers. Yes, about that. Five something. As the crow flies, straight line. All right? It'll be about 500, okay? Kilometers. But with the rough road and checkpoints and all of that. Okay, generally it takes us a few hours to drive it. All right? Are you... You start by 6 a.m., you probably will get to Lagos around 1 o'clock if there's no much how. Okay, so it's some distance. So let us assume me and you are supposed to go to Lagos. All right? And I'm telling you, wait. And you're hurrying. Let's get going. You have your car. Very nice car. Beautiful car. Look, let's be honest. It's a good one. SUV. Maybe you're a senator. They just gave it to you, you know? So we're supposed to be in Lagos by 2 o'clock. We have something we want to do in the Kajan. So he said, let's go, let's go, let's go. At 5 o'clock, I tell you, relax. 
let's go, let's go. I said, chill. So, you know, you know you have to leave by six later so we can hit Lagos by one, navigate to travel. Hopefully, we'll be able to get there by two. Now, it's getting to six, uh, it's 5.30. And I don't look like I'm in a, uh, in a hurry. Now, it makes sense for you to be agitated and to start getting angry with me, threatening to leave me behind and all of that. But if I were to give you a, you know, a sneak preview into my plans, they have booked two tickets for us. There's a flight taking off at 11. That flight is going to land in Ikeja by 12. Latest, 12.30, we're not checking any luggage in now. We're out of the airport. And there will be in the place where we are going by 1. And have enough time to tour the place before the meeting will start. Won't you waste time with me? No, wouldn't you waste time with me? That plane is called Grace. That your fine car is human effort. That your fine SUV is called might and power. That plane that's coming is called what? It's called what? The spirit. The grace of God. is the grace of God. Listen, life can be very, very... Look, that's just the way life is. It deceive you. You think you're getting up early. That's the Bible says it is vain to rise up early. And to retire late. You know what he said? Now, I'll give you my own words. Grace works even while you sleep. Now, if you're going to read that portion of Psalm 127, what he said is this. It's vain to rise up early and go to bed late, eating the bread of sorrows, hard labor. He said, for God gives to his beloved even while he sleeps. If you use my version, New American Standard, that's what he says. Some will say, literal Hebrew says, he gives to his beloved in sleep. In sleep. But my Bible emphasizes the word, explains, you know, expands the word for us to understand. It says, even while they sleep. And my interpretation of it is this. There are things God will not do unless you are asleep. As a rule, you say you must, you must be asleep. I want to walk. Two of us can't do the, you Go and sleep. Go and sleep. So you have to be careful. That's the point I emphasize. That all this rushing, rushing, rushing. It never takes away time to tap into grace. Now, see, there is something that happens in life. That's just the way life. Now, remember what I was saying? Remember not to let anything take the time for tapping grace, for drinking of the Spirit. Now, it's a constant process. It's not a one, once and it is done thing. You want to start like Judah now. We are going to anoint him. You understand? Anointing, you know, for function. Hallelujah. As a husband. We pour anointing upon him. Amen. Please go and get a bottle of oil. You know what I'm saying? Have it ready. So the elders can lay hands on it and pour it on his head and her head. Amen? Amen. And for information, that's anointing. To walk forever, but it needs to be fired up regularly. That's where I'm going. Read my book, Receive the Holy Spirit. It starts with laying on of hands, fine. But then there are different ways you fire it up. Sometimes with laying on of hands again. But most often, what you do is you take the word and drink the spirit in the word to fire it up. Sometimes people have gifts. It becomes dormant. One way by which our gifts become dormant, you know, seriously, life wants to dormantify your gift. What's the correct, uh, you know, is the adverb or adjective? But you know what I mean. My English is really the best, all right? Yeah, in explaining what I want to say, yes. Life likes to domantify. <laughs> what did you say? 
You want to redundantify your or redundant? <laughs> okay, you are, you are stopping the anointing for new English, small, small. It wants it to become dormant. All right? And sometimes one of the things that makes grace dormant most is success. Yes, it's when your own energy is working. Yes. When you have become used to the thing working, you tend to neglect it. You tend to overlook where it's coming from. That's why God had to command, thou shall remember. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, you get so used to it, you, don't, you are not careful to preserve the source of it. Which also happened to Samson. After they have shaved his head, he was saying, I'll go like before. That's what happened to Asa. Asa had success for years. 35 years, Asa had success. God looked and said, this grace is going down. This grace is going down. Recently, I had some experiences personally. I just said, no, faith is down. I, I didn't feel like it, but I just observed my life. I said, faith is down. A lot of times, preachers, I'm talking as a preacher now. But listen, please, always bear it in mind. When I say preachers, just know that it happens to everybody too. Businessmen. All right? It happens to all of us. Just because I preach, that's how come I use preaching as an example a lot. It happens to preachers a lot. They start ministry, they're on fire. They're on fire. On fire, church is growing. Then that's the problem. When church has now grown, they now become church administrators. Especially when they now start church building projects. One of the greatest killers of churches I've seen is church building. So when they are needing money more than before, pastor will now wake up at construction site. I'm telling you, he's having meetings with contractors, with suppliers, discussing cement. Iron rod. Listen, let me just advise if you're a pastor. Before you start that kind of building project, make sure that you don't need to go there. If you don't have a system by which you don't need to see you more than once a month there, don't start. It's not good for you. If your message, if I let me just say, before you start building, preach, go and write that message you pray for the next one year. I'm sure you don't change it. But once you start coming to church, say, The Lord, the house of the Lord is my message for today. The house of the Lord. What did I say? The house of the Lord. Hallelujah. God said to the people of Israel, Why did I tell the rain to stop falling? It's because of my house that is desolate. While all of you see, you are backsliding. That's what is happening to you. When you don't understand that that building is not the house of God. This, uh, you don't know? Sometimes you see preachers, things they knew before. You see, what, what are they preaching now? So they say, look, as you build the house of God, God will build your house. I said, of course, those of us who know, we shout, amen. So today we are going to build the house of God. How many people are giving? One, one million. So how is that building the house of God? That is building the church we want to build. Your church is not the house of God now. Build the church. That's why we shouldn't build it. No answer me. Are we to build that church? Yes. Is it good? Yes. No, we go stay there. Hey, we are the ones that we use it. It's good, but it's not the house of God. What is it? It's the hall of the brethren. What did I call it? The hall of the brethren. A convenient meeting place. When your message starts changing, it's because you have, you know, grace has gone down. You have neglected what? To tap into grace. That's what makes people lose grace a lot. They, see, Peter was very careful. <laughs> he said, you people, you don't know. Jesus warned us. We need it to happen. Once this ministry starts growing, the first thing is a temptation that comes from growth. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, please, no matter how much you grow in life, whether in business, in ministry, never forget how the growth began. Do you get my point? When God had not given you breakthrough, 
you were praying. You were confessing the word. When the breakthrough, like I was preaching in TCC on Sunday, I said, what God is trying to do in your life is to create you into a person. Forming a habit. He's not teaching you methods of getting results. What a lot of people do is that they pray, they fast, they confess the word until results come, then they stop. No, God said, you don't get the point. I wanted you to become that kind of person. Now you have become that. So the first sign is this results you are seeing in your life. Don't stop. I hope you are getting my point. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Because that grace, you, the only way you can sustain the results is through that grace. And the first thing the results and Satan and the world will tempt you with is to take away your adherence to the source of the grace. So every day you used to listen to messages and confess the word and read scriptures one hour every day. Now you have meeting with Dangote now. You have seen the minister. Everything now. Let me just tell you something which will surprise us as believers many times. Now, we're just learning a lesson from the fig tree. I'm, I'm not saying we should be like unbelievers. You see, those people that use juju to do things, they know they miss them. Did you hear what I said? Yes. I was one of our brothers the other day. I said, oh boy, I, I've not been seeing regular Bible study. I said, this is our own juju. Don't tell me you are busy. The people you are competing with, the people you are running against, yes, you have a power that is bigger than theirs. We thank God. All right? But go and check it. If they say chop this three times a week, they, they chop them. Some of them will locate to Asso Rock with their Babalao. You know, you know sometimes it's good to make life hard. Just I will not make it hard. Let's leave it the way God has left it. What do I mean by make life hard? God has given you given your scriptures. He has given you a device to listen to a message. You can stream. You can go to church. You know, it's relatively easy. That's the one people will not now do. But if God demanded, and I've seen people like that before, if God demanded that they should hire a prophet full time and be knocking their head against the world every morning, do you know they would do it? Some of the people of the world, because of where they get their own power from, they say every day you sacrifice a fowl. I have two men in my mind now. I knew about them. Both of them, I think one of them is late, okay? Every morning. This is the, let me not mix up. But this other man is a fowl every day. Every day, you must, you must drop one foul. And they keep dropping it. And when I say, I don't mean they drop it to the floor. Chop the neck. Yeah, they pour the blood on the ground. Every day. One foul. There are people that their own is goat. They do it. They are there to it. But when God has given us easy life, he told the kings of Israel, just read your Bible. You know, they didn't read it. When my children were, of course, they are still growing. I thank God for their life. But they are all grown now. They are all teenagers. They are getting out of teenage years now. But those days when they were still children. And if you know my wife is a very, very dutiful, diligent person. And wife. And mother. Those days she used to be more like, she was more dutiful as a mother than as wife. I'm saying it jealously. And you women should know, understand it. Men say sometimes they, 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 they like care too. As you are carrying baby. So... Amen. <laughs> Is that what? No, you can't call us children. Yeah, yeah. God will give you wisdom to, <laughs> to balance it very well. Anyway, so my, mother, my wife was very, very, of course, she's always been like that, very dutiful. So in the morning, now, she would do this for generally five people every day. Yeah, depending on the age, it's between five and six, but this is why I picked five, all right? 
Because I had a young lady staying with us who had to also go to primary school. So my wife would check everybody's work every day. I mean, everybody's work every day. Where's your assignment? Where's your class note? What do you do in school today? So, I said, Pastor, did you help? No, I don't know how to handle people who are learning A, B, C, D and doing 2 plus 2 is equal to 4. If you want me to help you, please, let's discuss the distance between the sun and the moon. And the, Yes, thank you very much. We can do rotation and all of that. But to be saying, say A, A, B. They didn't even like me helping them anyway because... I remember one day when the oldest guy, Akinlu, was the only one in the house. I think being I was very, very small that time. So one day Akinlu was crying, he was looking for mommy. I said, what does he say? He wants, I want to finish my homework. I said, no problem, let me help you. He said, no. <laughs> he said, no. Ah, let me help you now. The boy said, no. I said, why? He said, if mommy helps me, when we finish, you'll give me something. <laughs> Because if I'm, I'm the one who finish, I rub your head. Good boy. That's the only thing. <laughs> now, so early in the morning, of course, you walk, you know, you finish it in the morning and all of that. So many times, we're supposed to pray in the morning. So they are doing homework. Now, it's not time to go to school. School is by 8 o'clock. They're supposed to school by before 8. So it's already 7.30. They are still at home. So we see Ron, she rushing. We haven't prayed. They will not say, we, they will not say, we will pray on the way. Yes, in the car. So first day, of course, this will happen a lot like that. Then one day I asked myself, I said, hey, what's going on here? You will do homework in the house, then pray in the car. I said, no. So one day I said, no, it's not the will of God. From now on, I mean, that's why you need a prophet and a priest and a king in the house. So I wrote out the decree by a prophetic word of God and sealed it with a sacrifice. <laughs> I said, henceforth, as soon as you wake up in the morning, prayer time. Then you can finish your homework in the car. Do you get my point? No, that was, and it's like that till now. I said, the first thing you, the only thing you can do is something to wake you up. Like, you know, you can go and have a bath. All right? You can do stuff like, you can even eat breakfast, it's fine. Just something to wake you up. Make sure you're fully awake. After that, hey, prayer. Then you can go and finish your homework. Then if the time finishes, finish it. In the car. Why do we want to leave the car, the prayer? You know what it means? See, there are things you do. God realizes you don't take things like that seriously. See, faith, that's what faith is. It's a clear sign that your faith is weak. Because you've not, you, you have missed the source of the blessing. You want to come to church? Please, I keep on telling people. There are things you do. You are making a statement in the spirit you don't realize. Setting your priorities is very important to God, though. Many people don't have time to come for Bible studies, prayer meetings, go to church because they are busy. And God is just looking at you and saying, you don't get it. There's a statement you are making to me by this. Bring me the tape. Because it's not the tape that's the issue. It is your lack of willingness to sacrifice. They are going to preach. You have something else to do. You strategize your life in such a manner that you only take time out to maybe work in for a meeting like this or your church meeting and all of that, only when there is nothing else pressing. Anytime something presses, what you, where you shift and create time is prayer time, church service time, study time. That's where you shift. Because I'm not there looking at you and holding you, you know, by force. Come and study. No, I won't do that. 
That's the mistake we make. It's a very terrible mistake. But listen, what that is doing is in the realm of the spirit, it is saying something about our value system. You know, it said the amount of thought and study you give to the word that you hear determines the amount of power or virtue that will be released to you. It's how you value that matters. Remember those days, people will come, you know, my wife used to sell things. They will buy from my perfume. If you see the, there's no, if all the books I've ever written put together at full price, it's not to the cost of one bottle of some of those perfumes. Yet, somebody will finish buying that kind of bottle of perfume from my wife. And you will see a book like Great Feast Can Be Yours. Say, so why is it 1,000 naira? Is it not too expensive? And in your mind, you are saying, I won't say anything. No, you are, you are angry. You are angry. You are angry. This perfume you bought now will never drive away evil spirits. No matter how nice you smell, it won't drive away the evil spirits. It won't. It will not drive away problems from your life. It won't show you direction. It won't guide you. It won't lead you. I hope you know perfumes attract flies. Are you aware of that? Flies. You know, flies are attracted to any odor, good or bad. Yeah. So you may think it's fragrant. Unless something pungent is inside it that drives it. If it's just that nice smell, they are attracted. Where am I going? I your perfume can even be attracting Bazebob, evil, you know, Lord of, <laughs> of Lies. Yet, you pay so much for it, they give you a little book, and you are saying, is it not expensive? What you have just said to God is that you don't value the content. That's all. Please, I'll say this again, so as to train Christians. You, God has blessed you with money. You, have a, you are a family of five, husband, wife, three children, and the way you treat your children and yourself Carry everybody on a holiday. Say, this week, this December, we are going to Dubai. In that one, we are going to France. God said, no problem. I'm just watching to see two things. Number one, how much money are you using to support the gospel? Seriously. That's number one. But the one that's applying now is, where have you carried these people to? Spend this kind of money for them to go and hear the word of God. If you have never done it, the reason why I've not been blessing you. You don't so sit tired, I know they hear. Because you don't value the word. If your friend told you now that um, he traveled abroad for a particular conference, an important conference, not that he was just being adventurous, really wanted to go, to go and learn something. He said, well, couldn't you join them online? What about the tape? That's what you will say. You too, why did you not join your holiday on YouTube, online, and be watching, watching everything? It's a sense of value. I hope you're getting my point. I always like to drop that for Christians. Is how you ask, as you value this thing. That's what determines the kind of power that is released to you through it. So I told my wife and my kids that time. Say no. Everybody's not going to rush out of the house and pray in the car. Where you spend all the time doing your assignment of what, what, what are they doing? Is it not a English? Basic arithmetic? Let's forget now everything is called mathematics. When we were children, the primary school one was called arithmetic. That's basic math. And then civic education and basic science. Yeah, you have time for all of that. No, I told them, no, please. So it became a new rule in the house. Prayer is first. And it was deliberate. So that if anything has to be rushed, it's dressing up. If anything has to be rushed, it's, you know, the homework. If you fail in, in, in primary four, it won't affect your destiny, trust me. The Lord is good.
I'm reminding us again. Don't let success, busyness in life take away your grace tapping activity, time. Don't let it happen. Fight for it. Like I said, if you read Joshua chapter 1, he told Joshua, be strong and be what? Very courageous. Was he in war? Mm, you could apply it to war, but I read it where it's not in war. He said, if you meditate in this book day and night, you'll be able to observe what to do, what is written there. Then you will make your way prosperous and have success. So that told me something and tells me something. That courage is in adhering to that word. Courage is in making sure you read that book. Courage is in ensuring that the book does not depart from your mouth. Because the courage to face enemies will come to you. Do you get my point? How did David have it? It was because they anointed him. I heard the message long ago. My pastor preached those days. I can't heard what he, where he wrote it. That why Joshua and Co. could face giants was because they were willing to feed on manna. So he called manna the food of champions. That courage comes into you. Strength. The ability to face giants comes if you are constantly feeding on manna. And Satan knows it. So that's why he wants to take it away from you. Say, ah, Apostle Peter, Apostle James, Apostle John, church is growing. Church is growing. I think you guys should not be in charge of accounts and sharing of food. Peter said, get behind me, Satan. I will not let the church scatter. I will not neglect the ministry of the word. I will not neglect prayer. And then we'll start serving tables. Well, the ones drawing this grace down, guys, let's know where the real activity is supposed to be. Hey, advice for pastor I was saying earlier. If you have to start supervising building projects, you are, you are not right for the church building yet. If they can't do a project that you only visit maybe once every month, once every two weeks at most, every, every month, what are you doing? It's not building their building. Get a good architect for goodness sake. You're an architect, a pastor, a preacher. Even if you're an architect, this is not, you're not architecting here. You are, built, you, are, you are a pastor. Because that's how Satan, I've seen it happen. Next thing, pastor is preaching nonsense. It's not his fault. You cannot wake up at a construction site and not preach rubbish. It's not possible. You can't be waking up every super. And many people think that ministry is what you have built physically. I hope, I hope you know, if that's the case, sure you know that Jesus didn't build anything. The only thing Jesus did was to destroy took their temple, spoke against it. <laughs> it crumbled. That's what he did. He destroyed the whole system they had. But what, was, what he was building was a spiritual what? Substance. And if you check your Bible, like we're reading from Ezekiel chapter 47. What God, I was mentioning about it this day, was it this morning, the early hours of this morning, I realized that what God has always called his temple, what God has always called his temple, has always been his people, never a building. That physical temple was never God's temple. It was just Solomon's idea. You say, what? Yes. God gave it to them to make them happy. What did he tell David? He said, when I was in tents, when the ark was in tents, did I complain? Now you have, made, you have become prosperous now. You say, how can I be living in panel houses? And my Lord, God said, don't stay on the earth. Leave that thing. Yeah. What did he now say? He said, your son, we build me a house. And we all misinterpreted that son to be Solomon. Later we read in the book of Hebrews, no. He was saying, Jesus, we build me a house. The son of David, we build me a house. A house that is not made with brick and mortar. 
a house that is made of what? Living stones. And Peter said it clearly, we are being built up as a house. Many times people think that ministry is what you have built physically. Remember your friend who looked at, looked at us after this number of years, I can't be in this kind of place. I said, you're a foolish Galatian. Yeah, you're a foolish Galatian. You have not asked how many lives have been transformed. You have not asked how many lives have been changed. What you are looking at is, what have you built? If it is like that, Paul built nothing. You know that? Paul did not even build a personal house. He built nothing. What did Peter build? What am I emphasizing? You know, when we talk, we drop some little things here and there. What I'm emphasizing is that grace. Please, identify. You know, different people have told the story of how they met the Lord, you know, how God blessed them and all of that. Some time ago, I realized something. I, I, without realizing it, I was trying to be like somebody else. Some people say they fasted for 40 days. They went to a mountain. And the Lord spoke to them. I have never been to a mountain physically to pray. I don't believe in fasting for 40 days. Suppose you don't think it's good, I think it's not a good idea. <laughs> Do, you know, Pastor, the weird for me, I find that he doesn't do it too. Said so the maximum he has done is three days. The day I saw it, I said, praise God. <laughs> I, I realized that Egmont's day with me. Kennedy Hagin said he has never done more than three days, two, three days at a go. He said, oh, he said well, if it's necessary, maybe I'll do it. But it has never been necessary. Some people before they can ordain you, you'll go hungry for 40 days. I don't want ordination like that. Now, I'm not going to do it. I just, you know, everybody has their own thing. So, ah. The day I heard the BF Kumi say that thing, I said, Egmo, Etu. You too. I thought I was the only stubborn human being. There's one man. He used to fast every year, like 60 days. You remember him? 60 days at a go. 60 days at a go. My own bro, show respect. Our Lord Jesus Christ self, with all the anointing, he did 40 days. I don't even have that kind of anointing. And, I will... and for information, he did not do it before the anointing. He did it after the anointing. You don't use it to get anointed. You get anointing first to go and do it. Otherwise, you go die. I know what I'm telling you. These are people who just die for nothing. When God answered Hannah, she had just finished eating. I hope you are getting my point. <laughs> anyway, I went to all of that because the one day, I don't remember something. I think God will that helped me. Panky, how did I meet you before? Ah, I said, Lord, in the word. So why are you trying to be like somebody else? So now, my own, if, I want, if I feel like faith is down, I do only one thing. I pack, I pack messages, I pack books, I pack my Bible, those three things. And I, start, I wake up during the night, do one chapter, I do one hour. As I'm driving up and down, I'm listening to something. When I have a short break, oh God, may, they, may God bless technology. Oh God, technology has changed my life. Those that I have to carry the books now, I don't. Look, my acrobat reader. To just go back to where I stopped in the last book. It, all the PDF books I have, it just kills them off for me. And then when I tap, it goes back to the very last page where I was. Makes my life easy. So I jump from one author to another. From one, and the, I'm a very funny person. On my device, as a rule, I have four different 
music players. If I see a fifth good one, I put it. Pick up my phone anytime. There are four music players lined up. You know what? Each one does a different thing. Oh, that's the reason, no? If I'm listening to a particular message, I want to listen to Bible on, that's a audio Bible. I go to another player. If I want to do music, I use another player. So anytime I pick it, there's no confusion. You don't come and mess me up. <laughs> you look at this one now. is open. The other one, God, I want your fire, is open. Next one, Isaiah 52, is open. That's so anyone I want to play, I just play the correct one. I found out that that was where God met me in previous times. Yes. He will keep me fed. I, will, I, I say, so why am I trying to be like somebody else? The people that went to mountain and fasted for 40 days, they can go back there. I am not following them. Those that they buried, I don't know, some people enter into a cave. They sealed, those are not Christians anyway. But some people used to do it. They enter into a cave, they sealed the door. A.A. Hey, Allen said, he told his wife, lock me inside, take away the key. <laughs> yeah, his wife locked him inside, took away the key, and went to start baking. The smell of the cake <laughs> went under the door, and the man began to knock. <laughs> the Lord is good. Where I'm going is this place. You will identify. That's the point I need to make. You'll identify how you tap into grace. For some people, they go for retreats. They go for a program. They stay there for a week. They stay there for three days. If you find out that that is where you get into grace the most, please don't miss it. Go every six months. In between, put one day here and there. I hope you're getting my point. If you're the type that goes to the mountain, and with your Bible, and you go and pray, and study the word, Please go regularly. If mountain is good for you, please go to the mountain. Please don't ever stop going there. I hope you're getting my point. I believe for most of us, listen, is the word and prayer, and there are scriptures for it. Take time out regularly. Don't let, don't become so busy. Either with raising a family, with running a ministry, with doing your business, that you neglect the place through which grace comes into your life. You can't afford it. You know what I found out? That's why we struggle as believers. That's why we struggle. You pray and pray and pray as an example until God opens a door, maybe to university, to a a, a new business for you. As soon as you finish doing that, you think, it is done. That's a mistake. It's never done. God has now shown you that this is the door into this. I don't know whether I get my point. What has he shown you? This is the door. And if you go and check scriptural things, the way you get a result is the way you sustain it. So when you pass through that door, you keep yourself, how do I say this now, passing through it the rest of your life. You will know that greatness, victory, success for you in life is from this method, the word and prayer. Don't do it until you get healed. Don't do it until you get that promotion. Once you've started it, it's your life. So if you used to confess the word of God and believe God regularly, then you got healed. Please don't ever stop it. Don't ever stop it. Keep on returning. Keep on returning. Keep on returning. It's very crucial what I'm telling you. You must keep on returning. It's, you see, that grace, otherwise you have departed from grace. 
You are now walking by your strength. And that's when difficulty will start. The world and Satan tries to tell you, look, this is the demand of ministry now. Why? The church is growing. You have to be the one sharing food to, separate, to end these quarrels between Grecian widows and the, 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 the Jewish widows. So, huh? He said, look, if you don't do that, you now bring up people who help you structure it so that you'll be in charge of food sharing. Now, what you need is structure. What you need is, there has to be structure. There has to be structure. I didn't say there shouldn't be structure, but you're not the head of that structure. Create the structure. The structure is called dickies. Get people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Get them. You get out of that structure. With them, structure, how are you guys doing? Because the power of that structure is the ministry of the word and prayer. The power of that structure is prayer and the ministry of the word. You can't be inside that structure without being there, tapping the power of grace for them. Listen, if the early hours that God gave you were 7 to 8, tell everybody, shop opens at 9. I hope you're getting my point. Shop opens at 9. Don't let one guy who finished from Harvard come and tell you, no, a good business starts by 7.30. Say, no, my own. That is what, okay, you guys go and open. When we are big, you know, you guys can be open. But me, I'm not coming till 9. Why? That is when I tap my grace. You know, I said something along the line. People are rushing to get into the vehicle to drive 8 hours. It'll be them relaxing until grace lands. They enter into grace. And they fly and get there in 45 minutes. In case you do not know, Lagos to Enugu uh, to Lagos flight is 45 minutes. The other one of the, this one is going to enter the plane to start the engine, warm it, woo, 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 and then before. <laughs> once you enter, once they lock the door, from the time they lock that door, once they clear them to take off, till they touch ground, it's 45 minutes. And then they get, ah, those days, eh? When I used to go to Lagos once in a while, and when, <laughs> there's a way when the sky is clear. It's the way the pilot will turn, like they just look down. You see all the luxury buses that are left? <laughs> they will see if you knock out and don't overtake them. Before they reach on each other, you don't land Lagos. Life is not fair. <laughs> one day, one old man sat beside me on the plane. We're going to Abuja or coming from Abuja. I think we're going to Abuja from Enugu. <laughs> that man made me laugh that day. He timed the flight. Many of you may know Abuja one is even very short. It's exactly 27 minutes from takeoff to landing. But it's, the most exp- it's very expensive for certain reasons, but it's quite sh- short. So I didn't know the old man timed it. As we took off, he checked his, <laughs> his flight, his time. As he touched ground, he, said, he told me, he said, do you know that thing was 27 minutes? I said, yes, sir. Why did they charge you so much? <laughs> I felt like I said, sir, because it's 27 minutes instead of 10 hours. I don't know whether you get my point. No, I, I, you know Abuja Road is turn here, turn here, back, dig the hair. They'll catch you, go and pay 10 minutes. You know. Are you getting my point? I say, oh God, they have really painted that. That is why they are charged. I feel like they say, oh God, you like to complain. This people, instead of say, praise God, my money is working. I got here in 30 minutes. The man is complaining. What am I going to say? That's what grace does for you. All the struggle. So, invest that one hour. It's going to pay off at the end of the day. 
You know, time is a creation of God. Yes, I need to say this one to you. Time is something God created. And when we got too confused as to what time was, he sent Albert Einstein to come and teach us that time is relative. That your time and your time and my time, they are not the same thing. And do you know that in real life today, that thing is being put into practice. The satellites that orbit the air that you use for your GPS, if they set the time at the same accuracy as your clock and your phone, you miss your direction. Many people don't know that. They've calculated the speed with which they move and adjusted it slightly so that the time on the earth and the one they set with the satellites, they are not the same. And that's how come everything is accurate. I know what I've said has confused some people, but just bear that in mind. Where am I going? Because let me tell you something. I create time. That is why a day for me is like a thousand years. I create time. I can compress it and I can also what? expand it. What does that mean? Don't be deceived that you have 24 hours in a day. Because I give me the time for grace. You'll be amazed at how I will stretch the rest of the time, make it look like 30 hours. What everybody, of course, when they, when they interpret it, you did it in normal time, but I give you 30 hours for that day. So everybody says, ah, you did it fast. We thought it would take you three hours. You finished only in two hours. Because I said, no, you finished it in three hours. But I gave you extra time for the day. I hope you are believing what I'm saying. Okay, let me prove it to you. It's in the scriptures like that. One day they need more time to fight. So God dropped the spirit of faith into Joshua. Joshua looked at his son. More time. And the son froze. Is it your Bible? He says, son, stand still. I'm beginning to wonder whether it's too still for the other people on the rest of the earth. I don't know. Yeah, but Joshua needed more time, and he got more time. So don't let the threat of the exhaustion of time take away your time for grace tapping. That's the point I'm making to you. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. So that's what we've been doing. This is just this is a kind of... You know, we're coming to the end now. This year is coming to an end. All right? We'll have just about two more meetings on Tuesdays, and then, Yeah. 9th of December is when we're taking the break for the year. So I'm just kind of recapitulating, trying to give a general review of what we've been looking at concerning this matter of grace, of walking by the Spirit of God. Now, quickly, let's open to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to read a portion on marriage. Even if just one main verse I want from there. But I just want to remind us of something. that we'll do that, and then we'll close. He said, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the body. That's verse 22. He said, um, I, I began from 22, I'm not in 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Verse 25, it now says, husbands, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, please, why I'm reading all of this is verse 26. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Let's just finish reading a few more verses. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory. 
having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the body. Let me just add up verse 30. Because we are members of his body. That is what Christ is doing for us. is nourishing and cherishing us. How is he washing us? With the washing of water by the word. So that's why I read that verse 26. He said husbands should behave the way Christ does. Christ sanctifies the body. Cleansing how? With the washing of water by the word. Now I want to apply this. I'm not teaching on marriage. I'm not talk, teach, talk, uh, talking about the body of Christ. But I want to talk about responsibility. What we do with prayer. You know. Please come and follow me. If you see what God is doing here, what he's teaching us here, is that the, the church is the responsibility of Christ Jesus. Did, did you catch that? The wife is the responsibility of the husband. So whatever God has given you, all right, to be in charge of, what he's saying to you, hear the word of the Spirit, is that you are to sanctify the thing. You are to cleanse that thing, whatever it is, with the washing of water, the word. Now, Christ was doing it for his body, or is doing it for his body. And he says, no one hates his own body, but does what? Nourishes and cherishes it. That is, you give it a bath. Alright? If you see any blemish on your skin, you have it taken care of. You dress your face up well. You go to the barbing salon and you cut your hair. The women will go and you know do their hair very well. You want to look nice. That is what you do with everything that God gives to you. Did you get that? That is what you are to do with everything that God puts you in charge of. He said Jesus is doing it for his body. Now, remember that's doing for his body, right? Now, do you have a body too? No, there's no catch to it. Do you have a body? Do you have a body? You do have a body. It's called your body, right? Now, if I, how do you call it? My body. It's yours. What does that tell you? It's your responsibility. Have you ever heard this experiment before? My spirit. There's no catch to it. Paul said it now. My spirit prays. If I pray in a known tongue, what happens? My spirit prays. So the spirit is also yours. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. What's the word? My soul. The soul is also yours. Every part of you is yours to take care of. Did you hear what I said? Every part of you is yours to take care of. What are you supposed to do with it from what we have read? You have to do what? Sanctify it. Thank you. Cleanse it. How do you do that? By nourishing and cherishing it. You do that with your body. You do that with your spirit. Have you heard this thing before? That's a Christian, your spirit is pure. The way this mother in Israel is laughing. It's as if she doesn't believe it. Yeah, we used to hear that thing. But we felt that, no, if you, the Sword Bible calls the whole counsel of God. Paul said, your spirit can be defiled. Your spirit is pure, we know, but it can be defiled. Your spirit is pure, you, we know, but it can be defiled. It can be. How do I know? Because the Bible says clearly, let us cleanse ourselves of what? All defilement of flesh and spirit. 
So the spirit can be defiled. Yes. The spirit can be defiled. The spirit can be defiled. So what God expects that what? You will cleanse. Are you saying that word again? No, let's read this. It's there. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It said, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us do what? Yes. Shout it loud. What? Let us do what? Yes. What's Christ doing with the body? Yes. Cleansing. With the washing of what? Water by the word. How are you going to cleanse your spirit also? We say we cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. What is the method? The washing of water by the word. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now we can apply it. How do we do that? The washing of water by the word. What I'm saying, is it clear to you? See, God has given you a responsibility. You will cleanse your spirit. Let nobody tell you that your spirit is pure. It was pure at the beginning. But once you went to work, it was defiled. Once you bought a newspaper, once you got to YouTube, I hope you're getting my point. As soon as you opened your is it, um, Instagram page, it was defiled. As soon as you go home to see your father, he defiled it. Uh, oh, yes. He asked you that. Are you still in that your nonsense church? He has defiled your spirit. You know what they call defilement of spirit? He defies your motives. As soon as you come, your mother tells that, ah, do you know, no, a maker was around last week. He came with his new car. He has defied, she has defied your spirit. What she's telling you is that you are still driving your old one. Is the reason why she said it. She knows. It's deliberate. So they will just tell you something. They will just set you on edge. I said, no, I'm not saying you should change your own. Why do you not bring up a maker's new car? Spirit can be defiled. People don't know that. News, oh God. Time will not allow us going to it. When the Bible uses the word spirit, it's a very, that word is wide. It can be defiled. God says every day, cleanse your spirit. Cleanse your spirit. If you go and check the book, the book um, Guided by the Spirit, I explained this inside there. We, I, I tell about six things, areas in which you have to cleanse your spirit because it can be defiled. That is what, and I was saying at the beginning, you come to a place like this, I don't have time to be leading prayer. You won't find pastor came to leading prayer and telling you that today, all the witches in your neighborhood are going to eradicate them. No, there's no need. Because if you cleanse your spirit, they can't do anything. If there's no defilement in you, they can't do anything. We'll spend the energy like we're praying just now. Pray, pray to the Lord, all right, to give you wisdom. To know when to speak. To know when to be silent. It's the kind of prayers I, 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 true believers should pray. It's the kind of prayers we pray here. If you've been coming here for the last 10 years, 20 years, you never heard me say, ha. The, what the devil has planned in your life today, we are going to frustrate you. Begin to pray. Devil, you have. I can't be having a conversation with the devil and praying. As a matter of fact, prayer must be addressed to God. Every other thing that's not addressed to God, I call them accessories. Declaration. If I'm not talking to the Lord directly, then it's an accessory. As a matter of fact, prayer must be addressed. So I can't, I don't have time to be having a conversation with the devil. Devil, I want to tell you. Look. If you are being tempted and you are resisting the devil, you are, not, you are not praying. You are resisting. And the only way you can resist effectively is to lift up the word of God. Please, I hope you are following what I'm going to say here. Because what I want to emphasize to us today, okay? One, you cleanse your spirit. You cleanse your soul. The thoughts and the intents of the heart. Your spirit has to do with your motives, your drives. What are you attracted to? But what is going on in your mind? How are you interpreting things? You must cleanse it. It's called be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, you can train your emotions. Yes, you train your emotions. 
Then somebody can crack a joke now. Say, Buari did like this, he fell down, and you laugh. All right? Remove Buari, put your father's name. Will you laugh? No, think about it for a moment. All that joke you've been laughing at the end of the day, just put your father's name. Do you realize all of a sudden? It's not funny anymore. It's not funny. You tell your friend, what, what's, what's all of that? What brings that one up? See, it was a joke. Oh, boy, stop that thing, though. And you walk away. He has crossed a line. You know why? Respect you have for your father. You feel personally insulted. Only somebody made a joke years ago, around that COVID period, when President Buhari was still our president. And one of my class was my, so they shared a joke on my class group. One of my classmates said, please, pastor, can I laugh? Pastor, this is, <laughs> yeah, he, he said, I want to laugh, but pastor, that is, he was, he said, if I laugh now, pastor will attack me. I had to tell that, no, no, this one is funny. This one is not, a, that, is, that one was really funny. They didn't say anything terrible. Because they knew how he used to defend. I said, it's my head of state. That's the reason why I do it. Look, it doesn't mean I agree with him. Of course, I got a lot of attacks and all of that because of that. Hey, you're an APC pastor and all of that. I said, I believe this thing. I said, that's when, I, when there was PDP. You call me PDP pastor too, so it's not a new thing. Now, you see where I'm going. There's a particular state governor, which some of my colleagues, my classmates there, they're in that state, and many people don't like him, and they are angry at him for something they say he's doing. I hope, I hope I get my point. One of them now says something. He said, I won't see anything. Because his father is my patient. I don't know whether you get my point. This particular governor, he said his father is my patient. And his father and I are very close. For that reason, I will not insult his son. So I said to him, so you understand, therefore, you can out of discipline refuse to insult somebody you disagree with. That was the day I convinced that one, that there was nothing wrong with what I was doing. I said, you can see you now. You cannot say anything negative about your state governor just because his father is your friend and your patient. You can train your soul in what you find funny. When people mock marriage anyhow, I don't laugh. It's a decision I made. It's not funny. It's not funny. I'm not laughing. It's not funny. You say some things, it insults me. You start abusing the current government. They did it before. It, I, I get angry. So I made up my mind when people are talking, I don't say anything anymore. It's a training. Because I cannot, because if, once, if you don't do what I'm telling you, don't deceive yourself, your prayer is ineffective. Let, let me just tell you, if you do, this thing I'm saying, if you are not practicing the way I'm saying it, forget praying for the country or for the government, your prayers are ineffective. You can't wake up every day laughing at and criticizing and mocking the same people you say you are praying for day and night. You can't do that. doesn't mean you agree. Just a, what I call the discipline of the intercessor. Intercession puts discipline. Puts restrictions on you. I'm talking about the cleansing of the soul. Cleansing of the soul. How your emotion reacts. Charles Finney says, or he said, feelings follow thought. Feelings follow thought. It's how you think that directs how your feeling reacts to things. He said, feelings follow thought. That's what Charles Finney said. So you can decide and you know you caution your soul. Don't respond like this to this. Don't laugh at this. When they are mocking God, it's not funny. When some people were laughing at Pastor Yadiboy, they said God rolled out, rolled away winter for him for two days. Number one, we all know that God, if ordinary Babala would does rain. So what is it that God cannot roll away? God can banish winter and say, Don't there will be no winter on this earth for two years. So what's the, what's the, what's the big deal about it? Did one prophet not stop rain in the whole country 
for three years, Elijah. When they shared the video, I was offended. I took it personal. And I answered those who said, you are talking nonsense. And I warned people, if you share that, God will not do any miracle for you. Did you hear what I said? In case you have shared that video, better go and unshare it, whichever way you are going to do it. Better call Mark Zuckerberg to help you pull it back on WhatsApp. I don't know. Because if you do, God will do no miracle in your life. He will refuse to give it to you. Because you are mocking holy things. You train your soul. That's the point I'm making. He said, the godly ones in the land, they are my true heroes. You decide who to admire, who not to admire. As I see me abuse, I, 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 you know some of the things I say, you know, I know we are streaming. So I know somebody who knows some of those musicians and uh, those uh, actors in Nigeria to go and tell them, Pastor Banky said this. He was Pastor Banky. said, just know, a prophet said, no, is it, Pastor Banky, are you a prophet now? See, I may be a teacher, eh? But listen, thank you. If I give you the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of the Spirit, it's a prophecy. I hope you're getting my point. It's a prophecy. I don't have to, look, And if you go into your Bible, the primary assignment of prophets is not to predict the future. It's to bring people to correction. It's to bring correction and bring people to righteousness. The godly ones in the land, they are my true heroes. So I make up my mind to admire good things. If a young boy parks a very expensive car, he goes to buy a Bentley and parks outside, comes I don't know what he does. I will look at him down like this. Uh-huh. How can I help you? He's deliberate. You go out of your way to be rude to a stupid boy who has money. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. I, I, I do things like that. You won't know why I'm talking to you like this because your car is fine. And I want to let you know. You shouldn't give you, Look, I'm not your mate. Uh-huh. Hello? Can I help you? And you're looking at, didn't you see my car? Once in a while I do that, I told you that day. <laughs> I sent a pastor, one guy passed, I sent him on an errand. He said, I said, no. I said, if I don't send him an errand now, he will become too proud. He will let the title enter his head. The godly ones in the land, they are my true heroes. I make up my mind who to honor. Honestly, you know, if you see, the, when I see some senior men of God there, See someone recently, I proceeded for him. Well done, sir. At the end of the hour, how can you just pass? Let's look for a gift and give you. Why? The only thing I know about him is that he's, a, he's an anointed man of God. I'm talking about how you cleanse your soul. You retrain your soul. Yeah, you retrain your soul. You, 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 you talk to yourself, so boy, behave. You teach yourself to respect the presence of an elder. You rise, the Bible says, before the hoary headed, the one who has gray hair like my beer beer. It's training. That's what I'm talking about. It's training, it's deliberate. And then last of all, you cleanse your body of all defilement. How do you cleanse it? With the washing of water. How? By the word. Everything is with the washing of water by the word. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. You cleanse your spirit of all defilement. All of it by the word. When it comes to your body, also the same thing. There are two things when it comes to the body. Number one, you don't let any dirt come onto it. What do I mean by dirt? You won't go and be smoking Igbo. Do you follow my point? Why will you defile your body with inhaling substances? That's just the issue. Why should you be smoking cigarettes? Are you all right? You won't, look, don't let, even coffee should not be an addiction. 
I'm not saying anything wrong with drinking coffee, but if you need you to stay awake, you are, you are in iniquity. And I, I know many people won't like what I have said. But let's call it speed is speed. Let's not deceive ourselves. Obina, why are you rubbing your left leg? Are you feeling guilty? Huh? It's cold. Coke is what you drink. That one doesn't have a... Okay. <laughs> I thought it was feeling guilty. Let me just give you a word of advice. If you are the type that can't stay awake unless you drink coffee, go and change. Yeah, win yourself off it. Be deliberate about it. I don't think it's right. I'm not giving you a scripture. I'm not giving you a dogmatic statement. I'm just speaking by what I understand. I, I drink coffee. I'm not saying coffee is evil. I probably drink a, a cup of coffee maybe once in six weeks, two months. Oh, no, I hardly drink it. I'll give you my logic. My logic is that when I want to stay awake, I need it to work. So I deliberately keep, keep away from it. I, look, if you are really drinking coffee, or you man drinks coffee, African man choose cola. It's the same thing. It's the same stimulant both of you are using. I'm not saying it's evil. That's why I told you now that I drink it, I drink it. But I, to be dependent on it is not good. I've read studies that say it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. I said this to you people. I just told you I don't trust them. Coffee is a massive, multi-billion dollar industry. No study you want to do is going to tell you it's wrong. Not yet. We'll find out the truth in another 10, 15 years. Let's do that thing. But to be dependent on something, that's what I'm saying is not right. That's my enlightened opinion. That is not scripture. Don't go and say, Pastor Banky said coffee is a sin. In that case, I also indulge in sin once in a while. Is that not so? So I didn't say so. But I'm just trying to tell you that don't be addicted to anything. I don't think it's right. Don't be dependent. The Bible says, like, look, I will not be, all things are lawful, but I will not be in bondage to anything. That's my angle I'm coming from. As for cigarette smoking, that one is wickedness to yourself. What did I call it? Okay, let me withdraw that. It's wickedness to the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who are you? It's the temple. God gave you this body to function. I want to fry it from inside. It's not good. What did I say? It's not good. Sexual immorality is under wicked defilement. Especially sexual perversions. Homosexuality is a perversion. Let's call it spade a spade. It is. When I was a junior medical student, it was in our books as disorders. Yeah. As recently as the 80s, it was still listed as a disorder in psychology and psychiatry textbooks. And Satan entered into the world and twisted it. I like the way <laughs> no one God wants to put eye in the eye of, a hand in the eye of Christians. It makes unbelievers teach us things. Rishi Sunak, a Hindu, the current British Prime Minister, he said, we also have to let people understand that a man cannot just, you cannot just sex your, change your sex because we will like it like that. I forgot the way he said it. He said, they can't. He said, you can't. A man is a man, a woman is a woman. That's just common sense. You can't just change it. The way he said it, I said, you know, Bishops have not been able to say it. So-called Christian politicians in Great Britain, they have not been able to say it. 
God brought a Hindu from India. As I say, let them hear it. The guy said, a man is a man, a woman is a woman. That's just common sense. You can't just change your sex the way you like it. He said, no, they can't. That's what he said. He said, they can't. A man is a man, a woman is a woman, and that's just common sense. And before that, this man had interviewed him. I don't whether he's one that interviewed, but somebody had interviewed Rishi Sunak some months before that. So I saw a clip when this man was talking about it. What's his name? Pierce Morgan. And they, they say, they asked Rishi Sunak, what is a woman? You know that was a woman period. He said, an adult female human being. <laughs> Pierce Morgan shouted, Hallelujah! <laughs> yeah, he actually shouted, Hallelujah! This is what I couldn't get any other British politician to say. Perversion is a defilement of the flesh. It's under defilement of the flesh. It's called sickness. Yes, malaria is defilement of the flesh. Skin disease, defilement of the flesh. Kidney problem, defilement of the flesh. Diabetes, defilement of the flesh. Hypertension. Finish it for me. Glaucoma, leprosy, tuberculosis, cancer, weak bones, all of them defilement of the flesh. How do we cure them? How do we cleanse them? With the washing of water by the word. That's the word of God. John Graham Lake will tell you, sin is defilement of the spirit. He says sickness is defilement of the flesh. He says it's sin in the flesh. He says it's sin in the flesh. That there's no reason why sin should stay in your spirit or in your soul. Why should it stay in your flesh? And what am I teaching? It's washed with what? The washing of water by the word. And I'm giving the word of God today. We'll close shortly. Maybe we'll finish this next time. What am I explaining? You have a responsibility to cleanse every aspect. You will cleanse your spirit. You will cleanse your soul. You will cleanse your body. All of it one way. How? You murmured that you didn't say it. How? One more time. You know what that means? The word is... You know when you want to cleanse something? My hand is dirty. I want to cleanse it. I go to where water is running. I put soap there. The fuller soap. Refiner's fire. I hope you get my point. I rub it on it and I let water run it off. That's what it means. So it says that what is the water with which you wash these things? He said it is the word. It is the word of God. It is the word of God. How do you cleanse your spirit? By the word of God. How do you cleanse your soul? By the word of God. How do you cleanse your body? By the same word of God. Okay, say, Pastor Bang, you said that um, sin is if I do something, how do you resist sin? Is it not with the word of God? It is written. That is how it is done. There's no other way. But what am I saying? God has given you a responsibility to keep yourself pure. It is your responsibility to keep yourself pure. It is my responsibility to keep myself pure in every regard. But like I said, anything God says you do doesn't mean you have your own energy to do it. That's what I was talking about grace. He said, just apply the word appropriately. 
See, when you are studying your scriptures, eh, please don't read this Bible as uh, I'm supposed to read it. Let me go and read it. No. You read it like there are different ways. You want to drink of the Spirit. Amen? That's the problem. You must be drinking. But what I want to add to is that you look for tools for cleansing. Yeah, it's full of what? Tools for cleansing. What is a clean tool? It's just what God has said. It's what is called the wisdom of God. Let me tell you something. You know, I was mentioned earlier hours this morning. There's, and I might talk about the word of God has how many aspects? I get like five, right? But I think I want to increase it to six. Say <laughs> so he has come again. Yes. Now, this one I normally give. Well, four main ones. Okay. Four basic ones, there of which two are very important. I give this. These are the ones I give. One, promises. Number two, precepts. Number three, commandments. Number four, testimonies. Number five, ordinances. Now, what I call promises, I realized that as I was made it earlier hours of this morning, I said, actually, there are two aspects of it. There's something I long to promises, which actually do not fit into promises. You know what that is? It's simple. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is not a promise. It's not a precept. I normally told, call it promise, okay? Let me give an example. The Lord is my shepherd. It's not a promise. It's wisdom. I shall not want. It's a promise. I hope you're getting my point. Okay, let me give an example. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Is that a promise? What is it there for? It's a fact of the spiritual life. It's what they call the wisdom of God. Facts of life is what is called wisdom of God. That's one aspect. Of course, what, what I always refer to it, but I didn't give it a distinct aspect. But I want to start explaining that to people. The fact of life is what is called the wisdom of God. For example, if you say that the Lord thy God is one, is it a promise? Is it a commandment? Is it a precept? Is it a principle? It's called what? The wisdom of God. Just the way things are. So I think I, it, 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 some of them I used to put with precepts, some I put with promises, but it's actually supposed to be a separate class of its own. What is the, what is the wisdom of God? Just understanding of what is. Faith. What is faith? No, he said he that comes to God must believe that what? Did you notice that? Just know who God is. Is that a promise? Is it a precept? No, it's called the wisdom of God. Whether it's wisdom or promise, all of it is used to cleanse. Let me give an example now. How did Jesus keep himself from being defiled when Satan said, turn these stones to bread? What did he use? It, it is written. What did he say is written? For turning stones to bread. Is that a promise? Is it really a precept? It can qualify for a precept, but what really is it? The wisdom of God. Is it the way things are? Fact. Man does not live by bread alone. It was telling him facts. When you hear the Lord is compassionate and gracious, it hasn't made any promise. But you know the wisdom of God. It gives you confidence to come to Him anytime. I hope you're getting my point here. So anytime you are reading your scriptures, these are the things we look out for. For example, when I, I say it all the time, I'm not afraid of riches. Is it a promise? No. It's a fact that I'm seated in heavenly places <laughs> in Christ Jesus some distance. What's the distance? Far above. Far above. So you see, I've cleansed my soul 
or fear with that. So somebody does me, you know, spiritually now, you want to scare me, I tell you, get away. I will not even tell you, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get out from there. I don't know that you get my point. See, there's a way the wisdom of God rests in your heart. Hmm? That some things are no longer prayer points. They are just faith and wisdom points. I've said it again and again. If the devil appears to me in the dream, say, I will kill you. You know, I'm not going to rebuke him in Jesus' name. I'll tell you, if you don't get away from here, I will slap you. I don't know whether you get my point. So if you don't get away from here, I will slap you. I'm not going to run. Pastor, pastor, pastor. He said he wants to kill me. If you come to me like that, I will slap you. <laughs> the devil, was, I remember one story you told me. <laughs> when I told my wife, she laughed. He said, one small girl on campus, one court boy was threatening her. A court boy. So she ran to church to come and tell her pastor. So pastor put her in the car and drove back to the school. Looked for the boy and found the boy. And told her, held the boy, said, slap him. Said, told the girl, if you don't slap him, I will slap you. Slap him. The girl slapped the court boy. Slap him again. Slapped the boy. Said, put her in the car and drove away. There was no further discussion. <laughs> The boy got the point. That this man that says nobody should slap me. <laughs> me that me feel like a confront boy. Capone. It, it, there was nothing else. Just told the girl, slap him. The girl slapped him twice. And the guy went away. That, that was the end of the counseling session. Now please, I'm not saying you should do that. I'm not recommending <laughs> I'm trying to say that. <laughs> no, the man knew what he had eaten, so let's just leave it like that. <laughs> that is what you do to the devil. It's not everything here. You tell the devil, if you don't, if I, that if I go to God, say, Father, God, please. The devil says he will kill me. God will ask me, Banky, why did you take the devil's wife? Say, Lord, when did I do that? Say, then why are you here telling me that the devil says he's going to kill you? When did he get the power to kill people like you? If I pray about you, I took you seriously. It's called what? The wisdom of God. Why do I behave like that? I just know he doesn't have the power. The key of death and of Hades have been collected from him. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. So I know my life is in his hands. So as the devil, so what's your problem? When did my life, do not even if I die the next day, Anybody that opens his mouth and says the devil kills him, God will punish you. Yeah, because you are lying against the Holy Spirit. You should know that God took his son when he saw fit. It's called what? The wisdom of God. With it, I have cleansed myself of fear. With it, I cleansed myself of fear. When I said the people go to church, you have to know where they bury your placenta. You lack the wisdom of God. There's nobody here whose placenta has not rotted, has not rotted away. Even the youngest, is anybody less than three weeks old here? No. Who cares where they buried my placenta? People are talking about placenta. It shouldn't be when they circumcise, where they bury your first skin. That's what should worry you. The Bible is not talking about placenta. <laughs> you worry about placenta. Nonsense. You wake up in the morning. Let people, oh, oh, juju. It's what they were doing in their family. 
They'll be disturbing you. Some of these you bring to church. I hope you know it's from Juju background. That's it now. A man says, is how they do this. You know, some people, like, let me tell you the truth. I don't mean insult. Oh, God forgive me. Some people, they grew up in a polygamous home. First wife was a chief priestess of, of the river in their village. Second wife, <laughs> one man told us recently that his father's, was it his father? One man was telling about one man's third wife or so was an adulteress. Hey, where did I hear that story? I'll try and confirm when I finish here. His fourth wife was an adulteress. But the man could do nothing. She went out when she liked. She came home when she liked. And slept with any man she cared. And the man could say nothing. Do you know why? She was a chief priestess of one of the gods in the village. And every man she slept with died. Yeah. All of them, it's just a matter of time. They'll fall sick, they'll die. People like that, when they come to church, that's where I'm going. If they're, you know, in their father's house, things like that are going on, all kinds of, you know, the wives are always fighting each other. They are, going for, they are actually burying placentas. Some of those women, as soon as they born finish, they wrap their placenta, quickly collect it, and carry it somewhere else to go and secure the destiny of their children. Paul Ginado will tell you that his mother took him out of Nigeria so he will live because he was from a polygamous home. They were Muslims. And if you know what those guys do, everybody was cooking something. Now, this is a painful part. When I come to church, the mentality, this rivalry mentality, this bearing mentality, this cooking mentality is still there. But our new God now is who? Jesus. We now send Jesus on an errand to go and be fighting small, small spirits. Jesus, you will dig my placenta. Whatever they have buried. Listen to me. If anyone is in Christ, all barriers passed, old barriers passed away. Oh, placentas, thank you. They have rotten away. Whatever covenants were made with that, look, if that covenant could not stop you from giving your life to Christ, what can you do? Devil has sense. The greatest thing is to keep you in darkness. Yet you, you left. Somebody was telling me today, was just telling me, ah, everybody in that side. Some people were dying in one place. He said, they say it's this man that is killing them. I said, why will he kill them? He said, oh God, they're all in a call too. I said, I was laughing. I said, how is his, their death? You know, Helping him. He said, when a man rises through court influence, he said, look, it was always like that. He now said something. He didn't know he was prophesying. I said, well, I'm happy you know. He said, it's only when church came. He said, it's church that stopped this whole thing. He said, even the Orthodox they didn't do anything. He said, you see? He said, amongst the Catholics now, the charismatic came up. Amongst the Anglicans, he was mentioning people that came up. He said, that was when he ended. I said, oh, this man even understood that revelation. That all these things end in Christ. So you cleanse yourself of fear. That's what I'm going to say. Don't let anybody use family juju experience to come and be defining Christ for you. Jesus doesn't have time going around fighting small, small devils. He said, you resist the devil. What will he do? Did he say he will draw back? Did he say he will leave you alone? What did he say? He will flee as in terror. How do you resist the devil? It is written. You give him the wisdom of God. You give him the promise of God. I hope you're getting my point. You give him the commandment of God. You give him the word of God in summary. And that is for you. A cleansing of your spirit is a cleansing of your soul. 
and it's a cleansing of your body. Please, we'll continue next time, but I want you to know you have the responsibility under God to keep yourself pure, spirit, soul, and body, including eliminating every sickness out of your life. Let's rest off it. Every sickness out of your life is possible to have light and is not shining. So he said, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Everybody begin to declare, Lord, I will arise and I will shine. Based on what I have said today, just you have a few minutes, just speak to the Lord. Just speak to the Lord. Lord, I tap into grace. It's not by my energy. I'm keeping myself clean, but not by my energy. But by the Spirit in the Word, by the washing of water. So except a man be born of water and spirit. Bollinger said, what does that mean? Except the man be born of water. And I am talking not about physical water, but spiritual water. That is, except the man is born by the word of God. Say, I have been born by the word of God. The incorruptible seed. I have been born by the word of God. The incorruptible seed. So now, I am in the kingdom of God. I have been born by the word. Incorruptible seed. That's what Peter said. You have been born again to a lively hope by that incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. You have to declare that. Being born again, an incorruptible seed, the word of God. I want you to declare that I've been born by that incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. Can you open your Bibles quickly? Let's read First Peter chapter 1. I want us to read this and then we close. We have spent um, quite some time. Let's close and go home and continue from here next time. Verse 3, are you there? We're going to read that one from verse 3. Are you there? Yes, let's read together. I want to let's go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Continue. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little time, even necessary for a while, so that the proof of your faith be more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're stopping in verse 9. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as an outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, why did I read this? The main thing I want us to read from there is the fact that we have been born again. Hallelujah. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And now we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Give the Lord thanks for this. Just take a minute and read this to yourself and meditate upon it. That I have been born again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I have been born again to a living hope and protected by the power of God. You need to confess that. In verse 5 it says you are protected by the power of God. That you are protected by the power of God. That you are protected by the power of God. You need to confess that. Remember I said it. It's not a promise. It's wisdom. It's the wisdom from above. 
is wisdom from above. It is wisdom from above. Confess that I am protected by that power. So I receive grace to carry out my responsibility for the purification of my spirit, my soul, and my body. Now, let's just do a bit of it. Say, my temple is, a, you know, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Actually, I wasn't expecting you to repeat after me. I was just hoping you will continue what you are doing. Or while I'm giving you some guide, just continue praying. Remember, declare that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I've been born again. The seed of God dwells in me. You are cleansing yourself by the washing of water by the word. I lay down my body on the altar as a living sacrifice. He that is joined to him is one spirit with him. Who is joined, he that is joined to Christ is one spirit with him. I say I'm joined to Christ. I'm joined to Christ. I'm joined with the Lord. I'm one spirit with him. And that my spirit, therefore, I declare, will not be defiled. By saying you are cleansing it, it will not be defiled. I set my affection on the things that are above, not on the things beneath. I set my affections on the things that are above. I lay my body down on the altar. I'm renewed in the spirit of my mind. I am renewed in the spirit of my mind. I accept the responsibility. I cleanse myself of all defilement of flesh and spirit. And I perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's share the grace in fellowship from the bottom of our hearts. Very warmly. One to let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil. Because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of the demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now can you just say this one? Say we have passed out from what? From under the curse. Say that again. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. Amen. I say you have passed out from under the curse and into the blessing. Amen. Say that again. I have passed out from under the curse and into the blessing. Amen. Now this is our season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I give that to three people around you. Say this is your season. This is your season of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God in the name of Jesus. Two more people. The Spirit and of the power of God. The last person, this is your season. Last one for yourself. This is my season. All right, cherub brethren. God bless you.